Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. All right, week one in our holiday message series, Christmas with Captain Hook. What we're going to be doing, uh, for those of you who are new or newer and you're kind of just, what on earth is going on here? Um, what we're going to be doing is for the next four times we gather, for the next three Sundays and on Christmas Eve Eve, we're going to be taking a journey into childlike faith. The faith, maybe, we knew when we were very, very young. And our guide in this journey is going to be the boy who never grew up, Peter Pan. Now, as we begin talking, what, I'm, what I want to do right away this morning is hit you with some scripture, and I want to talk a little bit about what childlike faith means, because it, it may not mean what, what you think it does. This is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 19, beginning at verse 13. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. But Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their heads and blessed them before he left. Okay, so what's happening here uh, is that Jesus, as this narrative takes place, Jesus is at the height of his popularity. Famous is not too strong a word to use. Wherever he goes, there are, uh, there are crowds that gather and they want to come and, and hear what he has to say. There are signs and wonders that are accompanying Jesus' presence. Uh, miraculous stuff is going on. So people are kind of crowding around him. He's healing people. And so people are bringing their sick. And it's, th th what's happening is the demands on Jesus' time are kind of through the roof in this, in this moment. And so the disciples have... Uh, without being asked to, they've kind of just started blocking for Jesus. They're like, they're like the, the offensive, uh, you know, I'm sorry, like the defensive line, you know? Uh, no, the offensive line. And they're like, they're trying, you know what I'm talking about. So they're, they're shut up. So they're, they're blocking. They're trying to stop everybody who's trying to get to Jesus because if they don't, Jesus will never get anything done. And they, they, they're, they, these guys believe in Jesus and they want to see Jesus, if we're talking football, they want to see Jesus move the ball down the field. They want to see what Jesus is trying to do get done. And that doesn't, in their mind, involve the cross and dying. To them, that just means Jesus taking his rightful place as Messiah. So they're trying to like, create some space around Jesus, not just anybody who wants to come talk to Jesus, gets to. These guys have sort of taken it on themselves to, to block a little bit. And a bunch of parents have come with their children, and they, they want Jesus to bless their children. Now, to the disciples, that seemed like a very non-urgent request. No one's dying. No one's sick. There's no, like, emergency situation that requires Jesus's divine or miraculous intervention. This isn't really going to help them move the ball down the field. So they're kind of like, that, 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 that. Easy does it there with the kids, you know? Stay in your lane. The rabbi doesn't have time right now. Like, maybe make an appointment, you know? Like, like. and so they, they don't allow it. And Jesus catches it. He sees what's going on. And as the disciples are scolding the parents, Jesus scolds the disciples. 
And he says, don't prevent this. Let the kids come to me because, and then he says something really profound, because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Heaven is populated by people who have childlike faith. Understand well the difference between childish and childlike. Childish is not what we are called to be. Child, we all know childish people. A childish person, person is uh, uh, petulant and angry and entitled and demanding and annoying. But, you know, we all know somebody like that. Don't point. But, you know, there's like, there's some people in your life that are childish. And you wish they were a little more mature. Uh, and, and so, but that's not, that's not childlike. That's childish. We're called to have faith that is childlike. Childlike faith is pure and simple and uncomplicated. Can you remember a time when your faith was pure and simple and uncomplicated? For some of you, to remember that kind of faith, you've got to go way, way, way back in your memory to when you were very young. That's what we're doing with this message series. That's where we're headed. And our guide, of course, is the boy who never grew up in the book. In the book, Peter Pan never grows up. But we're not, we're not exploring the book by J.M. Barry, we're exploring the film by Steven Spielberg. And in the film by Steven Spielberg, Peter Pan not only grows up, he's adopted by an American family, he grows up and becomes, of all things, an attorney. Now, nothing wrong with being an attorney, it's just a very un-Peter Pan-like thing to do. So, if you're unfamiliar, if you're totally, you know, green with this and you don't know anything that's going on, in the book, Peter Pan is the boy who doesn't grow up. In the film narrative, Peter Pan continues to stay young and the love of his life, Wendy, grows old. Peter later falls in love with Wendy's granddaughter and is adopted by an American family. In, in, in the story we're telling, Grandma Wendy has had a long and wonderful life. And her, her philanthropic work in London is now being recognized in the dedication of a new hospital wing. Peter and his family, Peter Pan, who is now Peter Banning, return to London, and their presence in London awakens an old enemy, Captain James Hook. Some of us have enemies waiting for us in the month of December, do we not? Right here during this month when everything's supposed to be all happy and warm and fuzzy, for some of you, like, I don't know that anybody hates Christmas itself, but I know, and I won't embarrass you by asking you to raise your hand, I know there's some people out there that just are already done with the whole season. Yes, murmurs of approval throughout the room, yeah. This stuff gets on your nerves, and, and as this month moves on, enemies, old enemies from within, visit. What if you're struggling with alcoholism or addiction? Is December the easiest month of the year for you? No, it's not. 
There's drinks everywhere. There's parties everywhere. There's, there, there, there's people uh, using these things all over the place around you. What if you have a food-related issue? Forget it. You're done. There's cookies everywhere. Right? What if, what if you're struggling with loneliness? What if loneliness is your old enemy? What if, what if you, at this time of year, you were hoping by now that you'd have somebody in your life? You were hoping by now that you'd be connected to somebody romantically, and you're not. You're still single, and everybody around you is all coupled up and paired up and snuggled up, and you're here alone. Is December a fun month for you? No, probably not. You, and it's not that it has to ruin everything, but it's, it's a struggle. It's difficult. What if you're estranged from your family? What if, you, what if you have immediate family members that you're not on speaking terms with and where things are difficult? The holidays make all of that complicated. What if you're struggling with anxiety? What if you're struggling with depression? What if you have a medical issue or a legal issue or a financial issue? Have I covered just about all of us by now? Isn't that everybody? We all have these enemies waiting for us in the shadows, and December has a way of bringing them all out. Just as things get busy, just as things get crazy, just as your life speeds up, right when it might be slowing down to find a little peace, things tend to speed up and get a little bit crazy, all the logistics start spinning, and it makes it impossible to find peace. Those enemies, you can list them and you can laugh about a couple of them, but they're not funny. Those things can steal away precious things from you, like your peace. I think peace is the most precious thing we have. These enemies, these things lurking in the shadows, take that away. For Peter, his enemy is James Hook. And Hook hasn't just taken away his peace, he's taken away his children. Peter's children have been kidnapped. They've been taken in the story. Peter doesn't know who took them yet, but Grandma Wendy does. And for Peter to figure this out and sort this out, he's going to have to do something incredibly difficult. He's going to have to go back in time in his mind. He's going to have to remember who he is. What we're going to do now is lower the lights and show you a video clip to illustrate where things are going in the story. Take a look. I love that clip. I love it. And I've seen it now in, in, in my you know, research and the, and the time I spent prepping this. I've, I've probably seen that clip 20 times, and it still gets to me. It's, and, and we're going we're gonna to watch it again on Christmas Eve. Eve. <laughs> I love. Okay. Um, it still gets to me. It still gets to me. Because there's something about this concept of having forgotten who you are and then remembering. It's been a theme for us this fall. We did, a, we did a message series this fall about, about who you are, about how Jesus' temptations in the wilderness were never about what they appeared to be. It was always about causing him to forget who he is. This Christmas, this season, you're going to have to go back and remember who you are. You're going to have to make yourself remember. Come back to that time in your life when your faith was simple and childlike. When you knew how God felt about you. I'm convinced that, and this is, uh, I, don't, I hope it's not too controversial, but I, I believe, I've always believed this. I believe that babies, infants, 
can hear the voice of God. Believe that. And I think over time, some hold on to it and some lose it. We all lose it for, for, a, win, for a window of time. There's a, there's a point where young and innocent, you have this sense, an unpronounceable, there's no vocabulary for it, it's an unpronounceable sense that God cares for you and loves you. And for some of you, it's been years. It's been so long. And what's required of you now is that you go back and remember that time before things got complicated, that time before the world got its hooks into you, before the world got hold of you and you got hold of the world. That time when things were simple. Early on in life. And for some of you, you're like, I never had a time like that. I can already see the thought bubbles above your head. I've never felt that. I've never once felt that God loved me. I never once felt secure and safe in him. I never had that childlike window. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. You just don't remember. And for, for you to find some peace this Christmas, you're going to have to make yourself remember. You're going to have to go back to that time. Listen to this. This is from uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. You knew that once when you were very little, when you could still hear the sound of his voice, before the world got complicated and difficult and marked by, by the ugliness that, that always comes to us in our adulthood, before all that, you knew. And for some of you, can I just call this out? For some of you, you pursued that later in life and you joined a church and the church just made it worse. Some of you are here, you're back to church for the first time and it was decades. You were away for decades. Because when you tried to reconnect with the voice of God somehow, a church seemed like a logical place in which to do that. And you tried, and you were judged, and you were gossiped about, and there were a bunch of people there who thought maybe their sin wasn't quite as bad as yours. And you gave up. Oh, you never gave up on God, but you gave up on church, and I don't blame you. What's required of you now is that you remember. If you're a liter literature fan, uh, like I am, you may perhaps know of Ernest Hemingway. And before Hemingway was the great novelist that he was, he was actually a war correspondent. He worked for a newspaper, uh, and he, he was covering the Spanish Civil War. This was a time of great difficulty in Spain. And one day, he was at his local cafe, his favorite spot, having a cup of coffee and reading the newspaper. And he spotted something in the newspaper that made him curious. Something he spotted in the personal columns. Anybody remember the personal columns of the newspaper? That's not a thing anymore, but it was. In the personal column, he noticed something that said, Dear Paco, meet me tomorrow in front of the hotel in the city center. All 
is forgiven. Love, Papa. Hemingway saw this and he thought to himself, that's touching. That's, that's beautiful, that's just beautiful. And the journalist in him thought, maybe there's something to observe here, maybe there's a story. So the next morning, he got himself to the city center, found a park bench, got a coffee, got there plenty early, and decided to start surveying the comings and goings of the, the people there. Busy place, this. So he starts scanning the crowd, looking for a boy who might be Paco, and looking for a man who might be Papa. What he saw in the hour he spent there waiting both astounded him and troubled him deeply. More than 50 boys named Paco showed up, hoping to be reunited with their father. So deep is that wound, so deep is that sensation that, that maybe God is distant, that maybe he doesn't care about you, that maybe you're alone to deal with all those enemies creeping around in the darkness. That maybe God doesn't care anymore. That maybe he's far away. That maybe he's distant. You must go back. You must make yourself remember. Remember what? Remember the cross. It is difficult to keep the cross front and center at Christmas. It shouldn't be, but it is. It's hard. The world gets crazy, and our, 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 our schedules get busy, and all these old enemies start picking away at us, and we forget. We forget what it's all about. We forget what's front and center, that God in heaven crossed galaxies to make a way for you to reconnect with him the way you did when you were a child, when it was simple and pure and uncomplicated. And you're going to have to make yourself remember. You're going to have to fight for that. And it's not going to be easy because there's going to be all kinds of things to distract you. It's not easy at Christmas to remember that God is not your earthly father with his absence and with his indifference and with the way he spoke to you. That's not who God is. You knew that once when you were younger. This Christmas, we're going to return to that. But you're going to have to fight. This is hard to make yourself remember that, to keep that front and center amidst all of the craziness of this season. To remember that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. To reconnect with you. And that now, today, all is forgiven because of the cross. All is forgiven. And all your heavenly Father wants is to reconnect and reunite with you. Don't make it complicated. It's all very simple. Your heavenly Father loves you and longs to forgive you. Return to him today and keep the cross front and center as you move through this holiday season, and you will find that those enemies lurking in the darkness all of a sudden don't seem to have any teeth. 
all of a sudden don't have any way to get to you. Because Jesus is now blocking for you. He's keeping those things at bay so that you can maintain your peace and your connection with him. And isn't that what we're all after at Christmas? We're going to pick it up right from here for part two next week of Christmas with Captain Hook. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we're grateful, grateful that we get to come in here and forget our troubles and difficulties for a while. And we're so grateful that you crossed galaxies to connect and reconnect with us. Father, it's hard to believe sometimes that you feel that way about us. So quicken our hearts to put our faith right there. It's easy, Father, to forget the cross in, in the, 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 the pace of this season and all that it brings as our enemies are picking away at us, picking away at our consciousness, picking away at, at, at all the things we hold sacred. Father, this isn't easy for us, and so we're asking for your help. Help us to go back. Help us to remember who we are and whose we are this Christmas. May that be so in my life. May that be so in all of our lives. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give. Or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word TRUENORTH to 77977 on your cell phone and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.